This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast. That's right, we are officially one month old. My name is Matt Baum, and I write about and appraise comics for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska, and artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online. Each week, Joe and I discuss the biggest comic book headlines, review a couple of this week's new comics, talk about some of next week's comics that we're excited for, and answer some of your questions. But before we get to all that, let's get to the big news. As you may have already heard, a casting decision was made for the lead role in Zack Snyder's upcoming Superman movie. Henry Cavill of Showtime's The Tudors is your new Superman. Very professional. <laughs> Matt, how does that make you feel? Okay, full disclosure here. I'm Poe and ain't got no Showtime. so I don't, I don't have it either. I don't watch The Tudors. I've, ne- I've heard it's great. <laughs> now I'm looking at a picture of Henry Cavill here. He's a good-looking guy. He looks kind of like an underwear model to me. <laughs> He's got a big square jaw, you know, black yeah. hair. He's got kind of a spit curl going on in He this does photo. have kind of a spit curl in the photo we're looking at. And I'm sure he could beef up a little bit. I mean... I don't know. If he's on the Tudors, he can act. It's a, it's a very well-received show with Shakespearean dialogue, so it's not like he's faking sure. the funk here, you know? <laughs> I mean, he certainly looks... He's a good-looking fella. I won't, I won't lie. Here's what it is. Until we see him in the suit... Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to feel. And it's the same way that we, we everyone freaked out about Chris Evans until we saw him in the Captain America suit. Yeah. And everybody freaked out about Chris Hemsworth until we saw him dressed as Thor. And, you know, until we yeah. see him in the suit, I really don't feel anything. Well, you know, I have, like, it's weird, but I have kind of specific ideas of what Superman should look like. You know, he's this iconic character, and he should look like, like, Christopher Reeve was handsome, but he was also kind of father-like. Yeah, not necessarily sexy. Yeah. He was handsome, I don't want my Superman to be yeah. sexy. <laughs> Superman doesn't land in, like, scare girls into kissing him. Right. right? You know? <laughs> you know? This might be the gayest conversation we've ever this had. This is huh? pretty gay, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, again, I have never seen the guy act, and I am withholding judgment until I see him in costume. So more on this story later. Developing. In other news, DC has announced the format for their upcoming Flash crossover, Flashpoint, and wow, it's huge. Instead of letting the story spill over into DCU's monthly titles, the publisher will be releasing 15 separate miniseries tying into the event. Joe, is this a little bit of overkill? Well, I can understand how it could be seen as overkill, um, but if you think back to previous crossovers where uh, the the event was spilling into the main titles, you know, every you're, if say you read uh, Spider-Man, and all of a sudden, it's six issues of Civil War that you didn't necessarily sign up for. Okay, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, if you look at something like Marvel's Civil War event and how it spilled over into almost every book in the Marvel Universe, was there people complaining about it in the comic shops, on the internet? I'm sure. But at that same time, those books sold better than many of them had a right to, the She-Hulk Example. Oh yeah, uh, and Dan Slott She-Hulk was barely ordered, which was a great book, by the way. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden there is a, a single Civil War tie-in that is immediately collectible and hard to find and skyrocketing in value. And it sells out because Marvel isn't printing yeah. that many of them because they haven't been shipping. Um, that many of them. The same thing happened with the Wolverine title at the time. It mm-hmm. had a Civil War tie-in that was pretty hot. But the thing is, is that you can't predict that. 
And why would a retailer take a, a risk on doubling his order on a title that he orders low on normally? Right. And but I don't know. I <clears throat> I agree, but I guess it's going to be even harder when you look at something like Flashpoint, where you're giving separate mini series, yeah. because you have nothing to go by. Even with She-Hulk, they said retailers would say, "All right, I'm ordering." Five of these a month, or I'm ordering 25 of these a month. There's a tie in here. Maybe I'll bump it up by two or three issues. But with something like separate miniseries, unless they're all written by Jeff Johns, yeah, I don't know what retailers are going to do. Well, here's the thing: you're going to have to. They're going to have to judge it on a book by book basis. No, and I agree with you. When retailers get into trouble is when they call their shot, and they are like, "Ooh, Flashpoint tie in. Order a hundred, and you sell thirty. That's not good." Order what you think you'll sell, and if you sell out, you sell out. Yeah, we're getting pretty nuts and bolts here. Let's talk. I mean, are you excited for Flashpoint? For yeah, what you've seen so far, I am excited for Flashpoint. I do think Hot Pursuit sounds like an actor in the male adult entertainment industry. <laughs> I bet under that helmet, he's got a luscious mustache. Oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> and a waxed chest. Oh God. Yeah. But bottom line is, you should only buy what you're interested in. You should not speculate or buy titles uh, because you think they're going to be hot. Or If you want the whole story, buy all the titles by all means. This is DC making it easier for you to avoid the stuff you don't want. You don't have to sit through six months of Flashpoint in your I Superboy find, title I find it hard because to you it, don't want to read it. I find it hard to believe it's not going to spill over into the Flash book, though. It'll be in the Flash book. Yeah, but if I you're mean, reading a series called Flashpoint, sure. you're probably already reading the Flash. Retailers? Good luck with this one. Our last little bit of news is also from the movie side of things. It was announced this week that Joseph Gordon-Levitt of G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra fame. Come on. Uh, also Inception. so many good movies. Third Rock from the Sun. Brick. <laughs> Great I stuff. I didn't see Brick. It was excellent. And eh, whatever. Uh, is going to play an as yet undefined role in Christopher Nolan's third Batman movie. That bomb. What does that mean? Well, let's lay it out first. Let's look at the rumors. All right. We got... Many rumors swirling around the interwebs. But, but four or five major ones. The yeah. Four, let's go with the We've got uh, people saying he's going to be Hugo Strange, since it wasn't Tom Hardy. No. They might. He might be a non-character, similar to like Anthony Michael Hall was rumored to play a character in Dark in The Dark Knight. He ended up being just a newscaster. He was the creeper. I'm telling you. He was well, Jack He Ryder. was not Jack Ryder. He was the creeper. Whatever. We're looking into this. Uh, we've got uh, rumors that he might be Jean-Paul Valley, a.k.a. Asriel. They probably won't do Asriel. Also, he could be a replacement Joker, just to establish that no way. Joker is still around. Maybe just show him from behind bars. No way. He's too big of a name. All right. And then finally, the rumor could be that he is going to play Dick Grayson, not Robin, but Dick Grayson, opposite Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. All right. Here's where I'm going here. I want a nerd bet on this one. For one nerd stripe, we're going to call our shot right now. Okay. And I know where you're going here. I know exactly where you're going, because I know you. You're going with Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson. Because you want him to be Dick Grayson. So bad. I'm saying, no, he's not Dick Grayson. What? I'm going Gene Paul Valley. I'm going straight up Asriel, and here's why. (sighs) Nolan said, no Robin. I will not do a Robin. And teasing us with the Dick Grayson. I'm not saying he's going to do Robin. uh, But even even just, like, mentioning Dick Grayson, I'm saying it's too much Robin for Nolan. You think mentioning Dick Grayson is worse than mentioning Jean-Paul Valley? I'm not saying he's going to be Azrael with chimpanzee (laughs) DNA or orangutan DNA. Flaming swords. Working for the secret papacy or whatever. Quilted capes. No, I'm not going with that. But I'm saying he's Jean-Paul Valley. He's another guy that comes in who's inspired by Batman, wants to do the job, and maybe we even see Bane break Batman's back in this one. All right, and I'm calling Dick Grayson, not Robin. I'm saying... If they do it at all, 
Nolan will sidestep Robin altogether, jump straight to Nightwing. All right. So that's one for Azrael and one for Robin. Nerd You bet. heard it. Nerd I didn't bet. say Robin. Don't it, put words in my mouth. It's official. There it is. It's on tape, folks. <laughs> Moving on. All right, let's get in some comic reviews for some stuff that came out this week. Joe, what did you pick to review? My pick was Invincible number 77 from Image Comics. It's written by Robert Kirkman with pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn, and colors by FCO Placentia. Sounds disgusting. What a name. I know. <laughs> This is the second-to-last uh, issue of the Viltrumite War storyline that has been running through Invincible, and it is great. The first few pages are a bloodbath, as Mark fears the worst. The, the team is traveling to Earth as fast as they can, hoping to catch up to the Viltrumite army before they invade Mark's home. The team being? Invincible, Mark. Right. His dad, Omni-Man, probably not called Omni-Man anymore, and a Tech Jacket. Uh, anyway, they're on their ship, flying back to Earth, hoping to stop the Viltrumites before the worst occurs. And uh, so this issue is just sort of like a breather. You know, they're kind of catching their breath as they are on the two-day journey from deep space back to Earth. And Mark is just, like, racked with fear and uh, expecting, you know, Armageddon. You know, everyone is trying to plan and stay calm and just get ready for what they are sure is going to be the biggest battle of their lives. And they are totally surprised by what they find when they arrive. Let's not spoil it. No. That's my synopsis. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. <clears throat> this issue was great. The first few pages, like I said, are horrendous. <laughs> Mark's nightmare of what is uh, going to happen if the Viltrumites conquer Earth is super graphic. And Not to mention the way Ryan Otley draws it. Yeah, uh, it's really horrific. gory. <laughs> it's super gory. Uh, the thing I've noticed about uh, Invincible, especially lately, is that, and that's why I mentioned the colorist by name, FCO Placentia, this guy must go through buckets of red. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's all computer extreme, colored, like, but... Probably bloodier than The Walking Dead. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, the thing about the black and uh, the Walking Dead is that it's in black and white. Yeah, well, but even so, this like, is in full there color. There might be more gore here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh, there's intestines. There's like brains shooting out everywhere. Uh, there's a guy with a hammer through his head. <laughs> it's, it's just disgusting. Not to spoil it too much, but it's pretty clear within the first couple of pages that this is a dream uh, because it is too brutal. <laughs> like everyone is getting murdered. And basically, we see Mark throughout the issue having these kind of visions of terror, you know, about what could be if they fail to stop the Viltrumites. And it's weighing really heavily on him. And Kirkman does a great job illustrating the emotional toll that this is taking on uh, Mark, who is a relatively young guy. This is a lot of a, this is a huge burden for a guy this young to bear. Kirkman does a great job in the dialogue, like illustrating Mark's pain and his angst and anxiety over what to do. Because basically he's kind of been thrown into the role of protector of the entire planet. Like, there's nobody on Earth as powerful as Invincible, and he is the only one that can that lives on Earth that can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Viltrumites. This 
teenage kid, well, I guess he's college age now, but this barely of age kid is having to make these decisions, you know, about the protection of six billion people. Right. And, and you can see it weighing on him, like, what will happen if he fails? No, and you're, and I totally agree that Kirkman does such a good job writing him as a kid and making him, a, like, a believable kid. Yeah. Just like anybody would be stressed out by their job. They do such a great job just making him seem young and making yeah. him seem believable. And it's been like that in this series for, for as, yeah, since it started. 76 previous issues. And Otley's art gets better every single issue. It's phenomenal. This guy, I don't want Invincible to end, but on the other hand, like I cannot wait to see what happens to Ryan Otley's career. Yeah, you know, if he were to ever move on to something else, really talented. Um, guy. Be, he is great on this book, and I'm, I'm not saying I want him to to go anywhere, but this guy is gonna do really well for himself. The colors are outstanding. The the mood of the book is set by the colors. They're bright where they need to be. The the dream sequences with the horrible violence are moody and intense. Placentia does a great job. And this book is really the whole package. For a few years now, Invincible has had the tagline on its book, probably the best superhero comic in the universe? Something to that effect. They've dropped the probably. <laughs> Now it just says the best superhero comic book in the universe. And they are probably right. I, there is no book I enjoy quite as much as I enjoy Invincible. I give it a buy it strong. Joe, I, I totally agree. This is the best superhero comic in the universe as far as I'm concerned. And what Kirkman's doing here with, I can't even say the alien's name, the Viltrumite? Viltrumite War. The Burt Reynolds is of so, space. The Burt Reynolds of space, because they all have big, you know, handled, big mustaches. Bushy mustaches, yes. But uh, it's so well handled, and it's exactly what DC was trying to do with the War of the Supermen, and it's exactly where they fell down. There's no rules here. You don't know what's going to happen next. It's really well written. There's yeah. a lot of human interest. And it's it's everything that the the War of the Superman should have been. Yeah, that's a great point. I'd never, I wouldn't have. Uh, it really is. To put it's the two all together. here, you know, like aliens that look like humans mm. trying to, you know, looking to take over the world, or I mean, what have you. It's all here. It's human. There's stakes. It's a great book. I give it a strong buy. It. Now, but let me ask you this: You are not up to date on Invincible. I'm not. I'm way behind. So no, you I read, read this, this issue like as a standalone issue, out of context. Yeah, and I and you know what? The first thing I did was get on eBay and start looking for full runs of Invincible. <laughs> and now I want to shoot myself in the head. Yeah, I mean, like I, like I said at the beginning of this review, this is sort of like a breather issue. So it, it's a good place to sit down, take it all in, feel what the characters are feeling. And then, boom, at the end of the issue, there's kind of a twist. And then you're like, now what? There's one issue to go. What are they going to do? No, I totally agree. I cannot wait. If this book is late next month, I will. somebody's going to get hurt. All right, that's a strong buy it from both Joe and I on Invincible number 77. All right, Matt, what did you pick this week? This week I read Superboy number 4 from DC Comics, written by Jeff Lemire. With art by Pierre Gallo, a great Eddie Barrows cover, and a smoke and variant by Stanley Art Germ Lau. I'm not sure what Art Germ means. Art Germ. He's been doing great work, though. This is the second issue of the Psionic Lad story where we see uh, yet another character from the DC Universe, not the far-flung Legion Universe, but one that's close to it, popping back in time to ask Superboy for his help and in basically stopping Smallville from becoming... Hell on Earth. It's ruled by some autocratic, terrible leader 
with superpowers that controls everyone, and he's coming back in time to have Superboy help him learn how to stop this from happening. I gotta say, four issues in, I'm not loving this. I was kind of excited about the book at first because of Jeff Lemire writing it, who does great work on Sweet Tooth, and I thought maybe he was going to bring a breath of fresh air to this book, but instead of going into things that I find interesting about Superboy, and this is coming from someone who didn't care about him at all when he was relaunched in 1994 wearing round Beatles glasses and straps <laughs> on his boots and a leather jacket. Awesome. I hadn't cared about this character until Jeff John started writing him in Teen Titans, and he became really interesting. We learned that not only was he a clone of Superman, but he also had DNA from Lex Luthor in him, and suddenly he was questioning who he was, whether he was good or evil, yeah. what his true destiny was, if he has a destiny or if he's even his own person because he's a clone. That's really interesting. We're getting away from that here. We're getting back into the really predictable DC schlock. It's pretty of, much straight up superhero. Yeah, we've moved out of characterization yeah. and back into possible timelines and things that don't matter and stuff that's not going to reverberate anywhere else outside of this book. And honestly, it's it's losing me. It's losing me really fast. The other characters, like Simon, the redheaded genius that lives in Smallville, is really interesting, although he is very close to, you know, just another Lex Luthor archetype. That kid is going to be straight up evil. He, you know he is. It's just a matter of time, and it's really predictable. And, then, and that's what they're doing here. Instead of characterizing Superboy and doing something interesting with him, we're making him follow a similar but slightly different Superman timeline, and I'm sick of it. There's, unlike Invincible, where we see a kid dealing with real problems, but having superpowers and dealing with it like a kid might deal with things, in this book, we've got Superman Light, who is dealing with Superman-type problems, such as possible future timelines, and talking sort of like Superman. Well, I mean, there is still a bit of, like... High school relationship, I mean, angsty stuff. Going and it on. started there, and it was kind of interesting. I like Lori Luther. I like the relationship that they were setting up with each other. It's kind of fun because he's a clone and doesn't know if he's her half cousin or whatever. You know, <laughs> Gross. Like, yeah, it's it's weird and interesting, and that's the interesting part of the book. I don't care about Cyanic Lad. I don't care about another future timeline, and I don't need another watered down Superman book. We, we just talked about Invincible, which is a perfect example of what Superboy could be. Unfortunately, it's not there yet. I got to give this one a skim it. Yeah, you know, I am a little bit more generous toward it than you, um, but I will agree that this book is not really hooking me. Part of it is that I was expecting Jeff Lemire to bring something different to the table based on his past work, and this does seem pretty standard superhero fare. There is a really predictable twist ending, and of course, I think that the twist... Glaringly predictable. The twist think. is not what it seems on the face of it, either. Probably not, but you can see that coming, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you, know? you think that the character uh, at the end of the book is talking about one thing, but it's really obvious, if you based on what else happens in the book, that he's actually talking about something else. And that's what I'm saying about We're being really book. vague, and that's not going to make any sense to you until you read it. But, yeah, it just... It was... Easy to call that before the end of the issue that right. that was gonna how, how it was gonna go down. Now we could be wrong. Lemire might do something different. We will see. I hope he does. As it stands, Superboy has not quite hooked me. There's something about it. I can't quite put my finger on it. It's Gallo's art. I find his art boring. It, it's somehow he can maintain being good and almost interesting to look at, but ultimately <laughs> boring with no feeling whatsoever. Yeah, he reminds and I hate me Superboy's haircut. And I hate his cowboy boots. <laughs> you know, his art sort of reminds me of a different artist 
Renato Guides or Guides or yeah, he's drawing the new Wolverine comic right now. Yeah, he used to draw action comics, and he's doing a great job. Um, but he's got a sort of a similar. Um, the art has a similar like kind a of look to it. Rounded, soft feel. Renato does it better. Absolutely. And there is just something about Superboy that is missing. What's missing here, and what is absolutely present in the Invincible book we just talked about, is stakes. There's no stakes here. There's no reason for the character to grow. And there really isn't an interesting story going on for him to grow into right Mm. now. I think I liked it a little bit more than you. But I agree that there's something about this book that's just not clicking with me. I want it to get better. I am actually a fan of Superboy, and I have been since... The dark days of the 90s that you mentioned earlier. I think I'm just um, still holding on to the residual Jeff Johns. Yeah, you know, but I mean, life. I am going to agree and give it a skim it. It's, it's not terrible. I want it to be better. Skim it. So that's a double skim it for Superboy number four. That's it for our reviews. Now let's take a look at the comics we're excited about for the week of Wednesday, February 9th. Matt? I'm excited for Batman and Robin number 20 by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. This yeah. is the team that was working on Green Lantern Corps for a while which was just a wonderful book. Uh, before that, Tomasi had done some Nightwing stuff, which was actually which, a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping they can kind of pick it up a little bit. I understand the Cornell issues were fill-in issues, but I really didn't care about them at all. See, and, and I liked them. And that includes Scott McDaniel's art. I'm ah. just not a fan of him anymore. I, but this, this should be a good time. I hope that Batman and Robin can come back to the magic that Grant Morrison brought to it. And if it doesn't, then I'm saying this whole thing was just a failed experiment and they should have done it in the pages of Batman to begin with. Well, no, I don't need Batman and Robin to continue to be like Morrison's writing it. I just want it to be a really great book with Dick Grayson and Damien. No, I agree. I'm just saying I want it to have the same panache, if you will. The same panache. Panache. All right. Joe, what are you excited for next week? Uh, My pick is Cinderella, Fables Are Forever, number one, uh, from... Chris Robertson and Sean McManus. Uh, this is a, a Vertigo follow-up to the previous Cinderella miniseries uh, from Fable Town with Love. And I am in love with this character. Let me start off by saying Cinderella is a spin-off of Bill Willingham's long-running Fable series. And the development of the revelation of Cinderella as this sort of black ops James Bond spy cool. on behalf of Fable Town. It's very cool. Is one of the greatest ideas I have ever heard. <laughs> and the previous miniseries by Robertson and McManus, where uh, Cinderella teamed up with, I want to say it was Aladdin. It may have been Alibaba. I think Aladdin, though. Uh, it was great. It was great. And I am so excited for the next one. And I love the uh, James Bond homage subtitles. I'm noticeably silent here because I sold my Fables comics a long time ago. You have a black heart and are dead inside. I know. Listen, Fables is one of the best ongoing series. I, I'm not debating that. It really still is still being published. I'm reading. I started buying the hardcovers. They're fantastic. I sold it because I was going through this collector thing. Let's not get into it now. I'm sick. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be great. I can't wait to read it. Now it's time once again to reach into our virtual mailbag and pull out a question from one of our wonderful. And Joe has written in parentheses, and sexy listeners. Hey! Eesh. That's right, it's time for Ask a Nerd. This week's question comes from Mike via our Facebook page. Mike wants to know what DC, quote-unquote, drawing the line at $2.99 actually means for the comic industry, the creators, and the fans. What do you think, Joe? Is $2.99 a good price? I think we will have to wait and see 
what happens with the sales figures here. Um, certainly comics will be cheaper, but will that translate into higher sales? Um, things to consider are the fact that creators from DC, instead of drawing 22 pages a month, drawing and writing 22 pages a month, they will only be drawing and writing 20 pages a month, which means they will make less money right. on every comic that they make. Um, and also, uh, there's the fact that uh, the profit margin for retailers will change because instead of making X for ordering 10 copies of this book, they're making X minus 10 because each book is a dollar cheaper. Right, and which also translates to the people buying the books. Like, if you walk up with 10 comics... And you're saving ten bucks a week. That doesn't. Maybe you'll buy another couple comics. Maybe you'll go put gas in your car. Ideally, they're hoping that you'll buy a couple <clears throat> more comics. Whether they, whether we will or not, remains to be seen. Yeah, that's that's the problem with this debate at the moment is that we don't know what will happen. Uh, I would like to, and certainly it's an experiment. Right. DC also doesn't know, but the hope is comics were too expensive now or before. Now comics are a little bit more reasonable. Would you like to try something different on your Wednesday visit to the comic shop? And That's I, what DC is hoping. I almost think focusing too much on the two ninety nine price tag isn't the way to go to introduce some new stuff. I really like what they do with Vertigo with the $1 first issue. That's and great. If they want to put comics in people's hands, make every first issue, all of them, blanket, $1. I absolutely because agree. Because people try anything for a dollar. Yeah, it's a loss leader. People come absolutely. in. Absolutely. They spend a dollar, they take a chance on a comic that they might hate. And they read something new. And they don't care because it's a dollar. Exactly. And they might love it, and then you've got another dedicated extra two ninety nine a month from that customer. I think the good thing that happens here is Marvel responds by reducing their price as well, and we see the two big companies taking it easy on us. Setting the bar. Yeah, while at the same time... The indie books maybe get a little more attention from creators who didn't necessarily go there because they would be making less money fighting it out, writing a book like Superboy or writing a book like Young Avengers. Yeah. Now, there is a rumor circulating that Marvel has plans to implement a similar program but increase the number of issues per year from 12 to 13 to kind of mitigate the impact on creators. Also not a bad idea. But, I mean... I guess it's easier to ask people to buy one more comic a year than it is to spend one more dollar a month. I think it's also easier to ask people to buy one more comic a year than buying one crappy annual comic book that has nothing special in it <laughs> sure. and a giant price tag. Um, I think if comic companies really want to make things uh, more appealing to comic fans to get them to try more things, keeping the prices reasonable is certainly a great idea, but stop churning out subpar Tie-ins, specials, annuals, miniseries. Totally agree. Stop flooding the market. Give us quality. I don't mind paying for quality. I don't mind paying $3.99 or $4.99 even for quality. If Wolverine was as good as it could possibly be every month, and it was $4 a month, but there was one Wolverine comic instead of 12 Wolverine comics? Right. I'd buy it. Do you really think people would be upset about it? Absolutely not. Um, So I think the... The best thing to do is sort of keeping the prices at a reasonable level and also stop flooding the market with crap because that is going to damage you more than increasing the cost of comics. Couldn't agree more. Thanks for the question, Mike.
sort of break it break it down like this that brings us to the end of the fourth episode our one month anniversary which certain calendar staring jerks say is only a three week anniversary. <laughs> do the math man it's only the start of the fourth week it's not the birthday until the end of the fourth week nobody cares about this we're losing listeners oh god that's, if you like what you heard, you can go to iTunes and subscribe and to this podcast. how could pod- you not? How could you not? You can subscribe to this podcast, and we desperately need your comments, your reviews, and your star ratings, because they really do help. If you need more of us, you can always head over to our Facebook page and become a fan of the Two at a Nerd Comcast, where we are always sure to be talking about something crazy. You can also follow us on Twitter at Two-Headed Nerd, where we'd love to get your questions for Ask a Nerd every week. Or send us an email to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. You can follow my comic speculator blog where I write about comics new and old at worthpoint.com and follow me on Twitter at Matt Bomstein. You can find updates to my webcomic at goodplusonline.com. Follow us on Twitter at goodplusonline. And follow me personally at JoePatrick116. So until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Booyah!